This message comes from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. John 5, verses 19 to 24. November 7th, 2021. Jerry Hartfield had one of the more unique situations regarding a murder conviction. You see, he was charged with murder back in 1977, and eventually he left the prison. Not because there was a trial that took place that had either proved him guilty or innocent or because he had served some time that was sentenced, but he was walking out of prison. See, what happened was a miscommunication. He won an appeal that there should be a a retrial of his case in 1980 after it was found that there wasn't a proper jury set for the trial. And so Jerry Hartfield waited for his day of his trial and waited and nothing took place. There was no trial. Whether it was by a miscommunication of the judges or the lawyers or the governor, his day in court never came, but he remained in prison. And as a man with intellectual disabilities, he was unable to plead his own case before a judge and get himself out. And so he remained in prison another 35 years with no trial, never having been convicted, never really having his day in court. And so what was supposed to be the right to a speedy trial came to decades of waiting. Finally, he had a friend who understood his case and was able to help him plead his case and make his voice rise against the drowning voices in the prison so that the error was found And the state had no choice but to release him because he never had a trial. Now this was something that took place because of a terrible misunderstanding or miscommunication. It looks like, in in my opinion, like perhaps Jerry was actually innocent just as he maintained his innocence and he got off innocent. You and I will also face our day in court, but we can't expect that there's going to be some delay or some chance that the trial will never really take place. No, our day in court is coming. Uh, Just as we read in the, the last part of the book of Malachi, the day of the Lord will come and not anyone will escape that judgment. No sinner will stand as God judges this world. There's no hope for the judge to make a mistake or the judge to not somehow put you on trial. And so how will you stand when the judgment comes and your day in court is there? Today we look at the words of our God in John chapter 5. And there we see Jesus explaining how we will stand before our judge. First of all, we, we have to know who our judge is. And here in the middle of John chapter 5, Jesus is saying that he is equal to God. And this makes his enemies very angry. So in response, Jesus tells them who he is. In order for us to understand how we will stand on the day of judgment, we need to know who our judge is. Jesus answered them directly, Amen, amen, I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own 
but only what the Father sees, he sees the Father doing. Indeed, the Son does exactly what the Father does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. This isn't saying that Jesus is in any way less to the Father. No, Jesus is responding to their anger at his claim to be equal to God by saying his will is equal to the Father's will. What the Father desires and wants, the Son desires and wants. You see, mankind was made to be like God. Made in God's likeness and in God's image, man and woman were created to do what God desired and to be holy and righteous like God. But Jesus, the Son, is uncreated. He is the exact representation of God's being. What God wills, the Father wills, the Son wills exactly. And what the Father wants to do, the Son does exactly. Because he's equal to the Father and one with the Father. This is the mystery of the Incarnation. That the Son of God, from everlasting and from eternity, took on human flesh. He veiled his glory and lowered himself humbled himself. And that doesn't mean, though, that he wasn't divine. Jesus says, indeed, the Son does exactly what the Father does. We see this in Jesus, in his life, the miracles that Jesus did as he opened the eyes of the blind, as he cured the sick, as he drove out demons and showed his power over the spiritual forces of evil, as he controlled the forces of nature. The Son did this. Because he is divine, and it shows his power is divine. And not only that, but the Son bears all the characteristics of the Father. Jesus is truly God, though he for a time lowered himself and came down to live in this world. He remained truly the Son of God, true God. We see him doing far greater things. Jesus tells his enemies here, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to those he wishes. Far greater than curing their diseases or driving out demons, the Son would show how great he is with the divine power of God to give life to the dead. Jesus would raise a young boy and a young girl to life, and also a man who had been dead for four days, showing he has the authority to do what only God can do. And Jesus would show even greater works ultimately as he would raise from the dead himself. When challenging his authority, his enemies wanted him to give a sign, and Jesus said, Kill me, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again, this body, showing that he is one with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Once you begin to understand Jesus' divinity and the position he holds, you begin to understand what he says next, that he is our judge. In fact, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Now we know who our judge is. It is that man, Jesus, there are many who look at Jesus as simply a great teacher or a good man, but they will be taken by great surprise on the day of judgment when they see Jesus showing that he has risen from death, is true God and judge of all this world. And his true judge 
we see him who does what only God can do, who is called God and given titles of God in scripture, who has the characteristics of God as he is eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. And furthermore, our judge explains, further showing us how divine he is. He says, all should honor the son just as they honor the father. You know, if you ever go to court, a good way to get in trouble or to cause problems for yourself is to not honor the judge. That's why we have courtrooms with raised podiums for the judges and why judges will often wear those big black robes. You should honor the judge and stand in great awe and respect of the one who is going to pronounce your sentence. Jesus says, all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. This is what we see in, for example, the visions in the book of Revelation. Divine honor and worship and praise given not just to the Father, but to Jesus the Son, who is true God and who is our judge. So if he's the judge, how will you stand when it comes to the day of judgment? When Jesus brings you into his courtroom and you are brought on trial, how do you know you'll stand? Make no mistake, this judge will not delay. He will not forget your case. He is the judge who sees all. He's the judge who knows every impure thought of your heart. He's the judge who says to you in his word, you who hate your brother or whoever says fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. He is the eternal Son of God, the judge of all, who knows the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And he's the one who says, that you should honor himself and honor your God. How have you done with this? Have you always honored yourself or does the judge see those times where you failed to honor him above all things, but rather selfishly put yourself first and neglected the needs of others around you? How will the judge respond when he draws the judgment and verdict for you? What we see is our judge won't treat us as we deserve. We already know the verdict. We don't have to wait 35 years and we don't even have to wait until judgment day. We already know what will happen. Because our judge tells us, Jesus says, Amen, amen, I tell you. He solemnly says, mark my words, anyone who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He is not going to come into judgment, but has crossed over from death to life. This picture here that Jesus gives us that crossing over from death to life uses the same word that's often used in the New Testament Greek to describe crossing over a ravine or when you get from one side of the river to another. You have crossed over. And the very idea that we have crossed over from death tells us where we stand before our judge. We stand by nature and under the curse of sin on the side of death. And there is an impossible ravine for us to come across to find life. We could not cross the canyon. The scriptures say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of the image of God. We are on the side of death until Jesus here pronounces and says to us, you have crossed over from death to life.
you are now on the side of having eternal life. And Jesus says, regarding those who have crossed over, he says, you will not face and will not come into judgment. Don't think our judge is somehow not just, that the trial was forgotten, or that you crossed over because he didn't notice you striving by your own efforts to make it across. No, this didn't happen by your own work. This bridge between life and death was covered and gapped by the Son of God. Just as the Father willed it, so the Son willed it. And he came to connect and to bring a bridge between where there was death in this world and where there is life with God. And so that you could cross over from death and judgment into life. The eternal Son of God, the true divine Son of God, crossed over from life to death. He left the life and the glory that was his with the Father and the Spirit from eternity and crossed over into this world of death and became fully human. That's why his enemies looked down on him and despised him, because he lowered himself as he walked among the dead, those who stood condemned. And the true, divine, holy Son of God walked in this cursed world of death that was under judgment. And so that we might be brought from death to life, he faced the judgment for us. He faced the curse and the death. The sentence that lay upon us was put on him. Just as the Father willed to send his Son to rescue this world, so the Son also willed to come and take your place and the place of every sinner. That gap that we've crossed over isn't crossed over by those who try their best and work hard. No, it, it's crossed over by sinners. It's crossed over by sinners who don't do it by their own effort, but by the Son of God. Jesus says here, you've crossed over from life to death. How? He says, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You have crossed that gap from death, from judgment, from condemnation, and you've crossed it over to eternal life by hearing the gospel, by believing the gospel, by faith alone, and by the work of Christ. You will not come into the judgment. You know where you're going to stand on the day of judgment. Because the judge himself has spoken. He wills it, just as the Father wills it, that you have eternal life through Jesus, his Son, who took your place. You know, Jerry Hartfield had to wait about 35 years when it was declared he needed a trial. He didn't even get his trial. But just like Jerry, you're not going to have to face the trial. And it won't be because of some miscommunication or some clerical error on the part of the judge or on the part of him who convicts you. No, it will be on the, the word of the Son of God doing the Father's will, who says that you have eternal life in him. Trusting in his life and death, you have life. And just as Jesus, who has the power over the grave, came back to life and will return as our judge, you will not come into judgment 
And you don't have to wait until 35 years. You don't have to wait until you think you've done enough. Right now, you know, the son says, anyone who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not come into judgment. The day of your trial will not come because God has sent his son and his son has taken your place. And the verdict already is that you have eternal life. You know, the, the story of Jerry Hartfield sounds like a pretty sad one. That a man who was never given a day of trial had to sit in prison for 35 years plus. But actually, the story has a very happy ending. You see, Jerry had crossed from death to life. And I'm not talking about the fact that he escaped the death penalty that was originally put on him. And I'm not talking by simply by waiting he escaped prison. No, Jerry crossed over from death to life while he was in prison. He speaks of his experience and his time in prison as he says, one of the greatest things that ever happened to him was in prison, he was able to hear about Jesus and how Jesus had crossed over from life to death to bring him to life. And so Jerry, in prison, heard and believed and now has eternal life. And Jerry knows that whether he was going to face his day of trial in this world, he would not come under judgment before his God. He had truly crossed from death to life through faith in Christ. And he will never come before the judgment and will never face that trial. And neither will you. And all of those who hear and who believe and who have eternal life.